Good morning, everybody. It's a great blessing for me to bring you the gospel of grace once again. There's only one message that can truly save, and that is the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the grace of our God. And that's what I'm going to minister about today, as always. Let's just pray together as we start our service. Father, thank you so much that we can be here together. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that we know that your spirit rests upon us and that you give us peace. doesn't matter what the situation. Thank you, Lord, that we can know that the source of life that is inside us is eternal and that we can share in your life. Thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is so sure and so definite and definitely part of this earth that we cannot but to go out and evangelize and preach your word and share your gospel, the good news that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he's Lord and that he offers his life to us. Father, thank you that you inspire me and empower me to preach a message today that can touch everybody's heart in a very powerful way. Amen and amen. Right, I want to just uh, start off by reading from Ephesians. And there's one thing that I've just seen over and over, and as well as uh, traveling through Zambia again and speaking to people about God, and that is the importance of the message of God's love, that people know that they are loved by God. As I was meeting people outside of the circle that I am normally moving in, I realized that there's such a need for people simply to know that God loves them, that God is not a God that wants to punish them or bring disaster over them to teach them something just some very simple things that i uh, used to preach many years ago uh, on my channel and uh, minister to people things that god helped me with in the beginning i can just see that that is knowledge that people here really really need and i just think that is true for everybody doesn't matter how deep your theology is doesn't matter how much you know about god the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ at the end of the day knowing that you are loved by god and knowing that that love amounts to him sharing his life with you and that you will have life that there's hope that's what it's about. It's about God loving you. Uh, we can know, or let me put it this way, we can love God, but knowing that he loves us and his love for us will always produce much more in us than what we can produce in ourselves. A life that is born from love is a life that is eternal. We can look at a marriage the marriage is built on rules and regulations and all this expectation, all those kind of things. Not that there cannot be expectations in a, in a marriage, but if it is built on that, it's, if it's all about your obedience and what you must do instead of love, true love, it cannot be, it can never be as happy, as joyful, as powerful as a marriage that's based on two people truly loving one another love is what it is all about and that love is something that god love between us and god it is something that god has done it's an action that god has taken based on compassion that is inside his heart and that action was to conquer death for us 
to bring life to us so that we, in the midst of a world that is still have some darkness and that is broken, that we can shine as lights because we are the recipients of the love of God and he brings forth his life in loving us. I can remember, and I've used this example many, many times, and I'm going to just use it again. It's such a good example. I remember when I was in school, I was terrible at history. Uh, man, I think I'm still terrible at history. Uh, and then there was this, we got this very pretty uh, teacher, and she came and uh, she was teaching us, and she liked me and my friend. And we were sitting right in front, and she just, I mean, she would just be friendly to us, you know. I mean, I was a bit of a naughty kid, and uh, but she just showed friendliness and spoke kindly and that kind of those kind of things, and um, it just impacted me so much that I got ninety percent for history. My goodness, I mean, she was a very pretty teacher as well. It wasn't long before she got married and went to another town, and then we got a teacher that didn't like me and couldn't say anything kind about me. And I think I eventually got about a 17% for history. You say being accepted and feeling loved causes things inside you that you could never have accomplished by your own works. So whenever you think of God, whenever you think of theology, whenever you think of uh, teaching, reading the Bible, any of those things, if you take your Bible, if you read this book, it must always be read in uh, through the lens of God's love. When you read it, after you've read it, you must have heard how he loves you, what he gave you, how he saves you, how he establishes his kingdom, how he's kind to you, how he brings, how he serves you. And the effect of that would be a life of kindness and of goodness, a life of uh, peace I'm just pausing this quickly here. You know, and I just had to pause that there. The owner of the uh, guest house wanted to see me, so came knocking at the door. Uh, that is just one of the things if you living at a guest house and not having your own place to make recordings. Well, with that, that is just how it goes. Well, I can't remember exactly what, where I was, but one thing I do know, I think this is where I was, is the love of God is what produces his life in us. The love of God is that which uh, brings forth his life in us. And that is how it is supposed to work. Whenever you read your Bible, it must point you to the love of God, to the kindness of God, to the grace of God, to the goodness of God. You must read this Bible, or when you read this Bible, you must see Jesus and what he's done for you. Otherwise, you're not reading what the message of the Bible is truly all about. It's about his kindness, his love. Even as I've made this short message and put on Facebook uh, in the week about great faith, great faith is definitely not your ability to concentrate hard on the things of God. Great faith is all about how great the thing is that you believe. Now, the greatest thing that you can believe is that a man, or God brought forth a man, Jesus Christ, that died uh, and went into the utter depths of death and that God raised him from the dead and made him Lord to give eternal life and immortality to all people and that you are included into that and that you are not saved, un saved from death 
unto life by your works, but that it is the grace of God. I mean, that is a wonderful thing to believe. That's a massive thing to believe. Let me give you this example. If you find, let's say there's two, pe two people, John and Peter. John gets straight A's for all his subjects at school. He's really uh, good at sport and all those kind of things. Uh, what do you think is the chance of John uh, having leadership abilities and all those kind of things, uh, becoming a leader in his school, in his final year? I mean, he can become the head boy or whatever your school system would call such a person. He would be a leader. It wouldn't be difficult because he's got leadership abilities. He's got, he's, he's a good example to everybody. He is active in sport. He's very good in his studies and all those kind of things. He, he'll be good. But if you look at, let's say, Peter, I mean, he is uh, smoking marijuana. He is uh, drinking a bit too much. He's maybe made a girl pregnant. Um, I mean, his life is not good. He comes from an unstable house. He doesn't really um, get good marks. He's failed two years and he's, he's just plowing through school. I mean, if John believes that he'll become a leader in the school, I mean, you don't need really great faith. But if Peter believes that he's going to become the leader, I mean, that's great faith. Now, <laughs> for us to believe that we, as people that are made from the dust of the earth, can attain unto eternal life as portrayed in the resurrected Jesus, a physical human raised from the dead to live forever, to share in the glory of God, to be called the friends of God, to live forever and rule uh, with him in this earth forever in an eternal cosmos that can never pass away. I mean, that's great faith. To believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that is great faith. So if you believe that, you already have great faith. And um, from that greatness of that faith, if you can say that his death and resurrection uh, brings righteousness to all people, that means that we qualify for that and that we now can come boldly and believe that the promise of eternal life is for me. It doesn't matter if I'm a sinner, if my Jew, a Gentile or whatever. Jesus Christ was crucified and now I have life. You've got great faith. That is great faith. Now, I would like to read from First Peter, and then I'm going to just look quickly at Paul talking about Christ and him crucified, knowing the crucified Christ, what that means and how it impacted his life. It says here in First Peter chapter 1, and I'm reading from verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we have a new and living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So he says we can praise God the Father. We can praise our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope. So new birth into a living hope means we are now having a brand new life because of the confident expectation of having the hope of eternal life. So our life changes today because we are expecting eternal life. As I'm sitting here making this recording, I'm in Western Zambia. 
and we're preaching the gospel out here. Now, preaching the gospel is always exciting. It's always exciting to reach people. But I can tell you this, it's not always easy. It is sometimes very difficult. It is uh, the situations that you find yourself in, that which needs to be done, difference in cultures, training up leaders from scratch and all those kind of things, working together with churches that have different theologies and all of that. I tell you now, it is not the easiest thing to do. But what drives a person to do such a thing? The Bible says, Paul clearly says, he says, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. And what compels me is this, that I know that this kingdom that I am in, this preaching of this gospel, this rule of Jesus Christ is on the earth and it is forever. So whatever we are doing here in Western Zambia, close to the Angola border, and that what we have been doing here over the past 20 years is eternal. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. Doesn't matter how costly it is. As we come here and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in this area, we know, and I know, I'm busy with something that is eternal that can never pass away. Glory to God. And what we get from this is the absolute joy of seeing people receiving Jesus and the rule of Christ over people's lives, where they are also experiencing the life that we are experiencing. I've had somebody come to me and say to me, Bertie, but you're putting up a house here, you're putting in a lot of effort into this area, and obviously you're also getting older. What is in this for you when you are now old? This person was thinking on finances and um you know, I could invest this money into things that can bring an income for me or something like that. I don't, I'm not very sure on what he thought, but I think it's along those lines. And I said to him, man, what is in this for me is the joy of the people that I've preached to in the resurrection as they stand before Christ, spotless, blameless, clothed in the glory of God, spirit, soul, and body. That's what's in it for me, as well as the joy of experiencing the life of God and the life of God flowing through me, preaching this gospel. So uh, when, it, when we get to the gospel of Jesus, it is about the love of God. It is about the grace of God. It's about, if it's not about love, what will drive you would be obligation. So the focus is to read the scripture, to think of the scripture, to seek the scripture, to see the love and the kindness and the grace of God. Now, back to Peter here. It says, praise, uh, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, when we live in this world, we so many times want to make sure that, you know, what about my kids, my grandkids, and so forth? The best inheritance that there could ever be for our kids and our grandkids on this earth is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and their participation in this kingdom because this kingdom is eternal and shall overtake this world. It looks as if it's impossible if we look at 
China, if we look at Indonesia, if we look at uh, large parts of Northern Africa, where uh, we find Christianity is not even there. We look at a lot of countries where Christianity is not even celebrated. When we look at how Christianity is mocked by many people and celebrities, we think, is it possible the kingdom of God could ever uh, take over in the earth? Is it possible that the goodness of God can take what is physical here and change it so that it would be on earth as it is in heaven? Well, it's definitely possible because God took one man, Jesus Christ, and he became sin. And he became that which God offered for the sin of the whole world. He entered into death and then was raised from the dead. So if Jesus Christ became the sin offering for all people, that means that he became the sin of all. And should God be able to raise Jesus from the dead and appoint him as an eternal, immortal uh, son, that shares in the fullness of God, it means that he has already proven and shown his victory over the sin of all the world. I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what Lady Gaga does, it cannot stop what Jesus Christ has done. It doesn't matter what some uh, a person that gets some Grammy does and what they say when and in mocking Jesus Christ or that kind of a thing, it is not more powerful than what Jesus Christ has done. It doesn't matter what any political leader say uh, and what they try to do and how they try to eradicate Christianity. Whatever death it could bring has been contained in the man Jesus Christ and he was raised from the dead and we are now standing under that rule. The best sure inheritance for you and for your children and for every person is to stand under that love of God. Now, one might say, but Bertie, you are not really right in your mind. How can you think such thoughts? It's like... Uh, the one person said, he said, listen, man, do you want to tell me that you are still so foolish that you believe that a man could be raised from the dead 2000 years ago and that he had the empty grave and that he was physically raised from the dead? Of course, that is what we believe. And we have experienced the power of that belief. We've even seen the signs, the wonders and the miracles of that belief. Just the other day, <clears throat> two days ago, you know, when would we pray for the guy with the malaria here? Yeah, two days ago. We prayed for him in the evening, the next morning, perfectly healed of malaria. So, and so we can see many miracles, and we are just in the beginning of our trip. We'll still pray for many sick people. I'm sure we'll find a lot of testimonies on what's going to happen there. Yes, I am in my right mind. Yes, I am of, uh, of sober mind. Here it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. It's written, be holy because I'm holy. So what is this holiness that he's talking about? He says, be sober-minded, hoping, set your hope on the grace that is to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So what is a sober mind? A sober mind is to have your hope set on the grace of God that is to be brought to you in the last day. 
We have been born again. In other words, we have a new life having that hope. He says here in verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice. Excuse me, in verse 5, it says here that this hope that we have is kept through faith and we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to, to be revealed in the last day. So, I'm going to tell you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, knowing that he died, knowing that he rose from the dead, knowing that he loves you, knowing what we can expect, having a life that is born from this hope in Jesus Christ, you are kept by the power of God as you believe and are sober-minded, hoping for the resurrection in the last day. As great faith people, we are kept by the power of God. I've experienced how people have come and tried to destroy my ministry, tried to destroy my life with all that they could. But they couldn't. They couldn't. They could not destroy my life because the life that I have is indestructible. Even if I would die, if somebody would arrange for me to be murdered because they hate me or something like that, which did happen to people in the early church, the life of Paul is indestructible. He will just stand up right out of the ashes and he will continue his life. What can you do? There's nothing you can do. I remember when Herod, if you read in the Bible, he... Um, <clears throat> He, he killed John the Baptist, and then Jesus was doing a lot of miracles, and Herod started to say, well, that is John the Baptist raised from the dead. So he thought it was John the Baptist raised from the dead. And you can hear the anxiety in that writing. If, he, if, he, if Jesus would have been John the Baptist that was raised from the dead, walking around there doing miracles, because what can you do against the man? The moment he's raised from the dead, never to die, that means, and you've, you're the one that killed him, that's the end of your kingdom. What can you do against such a person? You can do absolutely nothing. You would be too scared to kill him again. Because if you would kill him again and he stood, stands up again, you'll just make matters worse. That is what some theologians say about, and historians say about John, uh, John on the island, that he was boiled alive and then he came out alive and then they put him on an island, uh, not to be amongst people because it looks as if he's conquered death. And that will just make matters worse. So let us just get him completely away from all other people. Because this man, uh, we're not going to try and execute him again publicly. Because what if he survives that again? So, uh, I mean, there is just something very powerful as pertaining to resurrection. It's greater than what anyone can bring against us. Now, Paul uh, walked according to this. He lived according to this. And I want to go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to just say this before I read that. There is just something very powerful in knowing that Jesus died or that he suffered, died and rose again. If you know that, whenever you feel that you are suffering and you are dying, you will have the resurrection in mind and you will embrace the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That will give you hope and that hope that you have uh, will always, and I've put this post on Facebook, that if you have no hope, things are very hopeless. Uh, simple common sense. If you don't have hope, you're hopeless. If you don't have hope, things are not going well. But people who have hope, they are strong in the midst of difficult times. Why? Because they have hope. That hope is uh, it's, it's like this thing, well, victory is just around the corner. We know that. 
and we're continuing hope gives you power to endure difficult times and as you behold jesus christ his suffering his death and his resurrection and we have the hope of the resurrection we'll find according to that hope and born from that hope we will even live holy lives in this world even if it is in difficult times <clears throat> it says in first corinthians chapter 2 i want to read it's first corinthians 2 just want to make sure you from verse 1 to 5 listen to what he says here uh, this is from let me read from verse 2 for i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified so paul says when i came to you in corinth i didn't know anything but jesus christ and him crucified now who is jesus christ we first need to ask that question according to paul when he writes this who is jesus christ jesus christ to him is the man jesus who was made the christ so when paul refers to jesus christ here he's not referring to the man uh, prior to his crucifixion neither is he referring to the man that was hanging upon the cross Jesus, when, he, when, when, when Paul refers to Jesus Christ, he's referring to the man that he met on the road to Damascus, the one that he saw. He saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And he saw that man not as a spirit that appeared or anything like that. He saw that man, Jesus, on the road to Damascus as the one that was truly crucified, the very same one that was raised from the dead. So when Paul uh, says, I know Christ and him crucified, he's not referring to Jesus Christ hanging upon the cross. He is referring to the resurrected Jesus or the man Jesus, the one that was made Lord, according to Acts, that conquered death. That is what he refers to. So he says here, and we need to understand that, uh, Paul, when he came to the people in Corinth, he didn't come explaining that he was this Jew and the people should follow Jewish customs and so forth. When Paul saw Jesus, the resurrected, as the one that was crucified and now conquering death to that to him it meant the end of judaism or the end of jew and gentile that's why when paul says i know i knew no, I, I didn't know anything but jesus christ and him crucified i didn't come with the wisdom of the law in the sense of trying to get people circumcised or bring judaism in any form or fashion i've come to preach jesus was raised from the dead he is lord God made him both Lord and uh, Messiah. That is what he made him. He is the one that rules now and we submit to his rule of life. And that is true for anybody who has sin and death. That means Jew or Gentile. So Paul, when he says, I have come to you and I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, another way of saying it would be the, the man Jesus Christ that was crucified raised. That is how we can also say that. If, if I say, and you need to get this, this is very powerful. 
The scripture here where Paul says, I know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified, is to say, I know nothing but the resurrected Jesus that has conquered the death of the cross. Another way of saying it is simply this, I know nothing but the man Jesus that was crucified and then was raised from the dead. Or one could say, I know nothing but the resurrected Christ. Or I can say it this way, I know nothing but Jesus raised from the dead who was then made Christ. I want to read from Acts, I hope I've written this verse down, Acts chapter 2. And uh, it says there, he made him Lord. But I'm sure you can just go and say there, he made, God made Jesus Lord. Search that, you'll find Acts chapter 2, I think it's 34. But I want to just page around now and read and search for the verse. So when Paul was preaching about knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified, he says, I just know that there's resurrection power. I want to go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I hope this message brings you hope in the midst of a world where you can see a lot of death. Whenever you see death in the world, let your mind immediately jump to the resurrected Christ. For he has conquered death. That is how I live every day. When I find any form of difficulty that I go through in my life and I experience a form of death, I just immediately think, Jesus was raised from the dead. I see the empty grave. I see the resurrected Christ. I see the one that was crucified. I think of the cross of Jesus. I think of him dying upon the cross. I see that that death was my death. I see him raised from the dead. And I see where he is gloriously today. And that gives me hope. And that helps me to conquer the very difficulty that I'm facing for the day or for the month or for the year or whatever it could be. And I find that from that, a life like his flows. I find that my mouth is always, sometimes you'll find that, you know, I would say feel negative, but uh, like, I mean, we find temptations common to all of us. All of us go through the very same things. Uh, but I find that my mouth gets filled with hope every day. Why? Because of the resurrected Jesus and how he has conquered death. I'm born again unto a new and living hope, and so are you. Glory to God. So, Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1, it says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes, whose very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. So, you can see again here, Jesus Christ crucified. Who is Jesus Christ? Let me, let me find that verse. I'm quickly going to find that verse uh, for you and then we'll get back to the message. It's Acts 2 verse 36. I'm reading. It says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. How did he make him Lord and Messiah? By raising him from the dead. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And then he says, Repent 
and believe the gospel and be baptized. So it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He then preached and he said, listen, this man that you crucified, God made him Lord and Messiah. Lord was meaning he was higher than the Caesar and he is therefore the Messiah. So he's the ruler of all of the earth now is above the Caesar and he is the Messiah that was prophesied. So if we say Jesus Christ, we are saying the Messiah that was crucified. That's what he says. Now let's go back to Acts, excuse me, uh, Galatians uh, 3. It says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before the very, whose very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified? We can read it this way. Who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus, the man, was preached as the one raised from the dead or the one that conquered the death of the cross? I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish having begun by the means of the Spirit? Are you not trying to finish by the means of the flesh? So I hope you can see that Paul is connecting the, the, the crucified and then raised Jesus Christ to the ending of of Jew and Gentile. So when he says Jesus Christ was crucified, in other words, this Messiah was crucified, it means the Jews crucified him and they were working in correspondence with the Gentiles. They put, they put him into death. He died and the Father raised him from the dead and conquered sin and death. So if he was crucified, and then raised, it means that the scriptures are fulfilled because that's what it prophesied. He was raised from the dead. This is the Messiah now for all people. It is not a Jew thing anymore. It's not a Gentile thing anymore. It is all about God bringing life to whosoever wants it. Glory to God. I want to just uh, read one more verse and we're going to end off with that. And that is Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is new creation. I hope you can see how Paul connects new creation to the cross because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul says that through the cross was the end of Jew-Gentile separation. So I was crucified to the world and the world to me. There's only one new people. So what he says here is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accounts for anything but what really means something is new creation, the resurrection, the resurrected Christ, and the new that we stand up into, as we say, we've been co-crucified with him. So when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, when he fulfilled the, the when, he, when it was, uh, it was the full fulfillment of the law, 
when all the prophets has been fulfilled in his death and then his resurrection. I mean, now whatever the old was prophesying unto has now come and what can now be given unto us is new creation. God is creating afresh, is making new. How? By the resurrected Jesus, as we see that this man Jesus is not just some spirit or some angel. He is truly, he was born of a woman. He died. He rose again, conquered the death of this world. And he now gives us the hope of the same. He then pours out his spirit on us, the spirit that gives life. And that spirit brings forth the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Glory to God. So I want to say this to you. When you read your Bible, read the simplicity of the scriptures which is that Jesus was raised and through him we have the hope of life. Whenever you experience death in any form of your life, know that you can see Jesus experience the very same death. The very same death, not another death, your death. And then he was raised from the dead. And that is a new creation. So there was a creation that came forth from Mary, God created and formed the man Jesus in the womb of Mary. This man was a normal human being. He then died. And when he was raised, he was raised. The same man was raised into a different glory. That is called new creation. Now, when we are believing in him and we are standing in him and under his jurisdiction and he's poured his spirit out on us, we are standing under the rule of new creation. And that is where we find our joy. That is where we find our true identity. We identify with the resurrected Jesus. We are saying that um, we are co-seated with him in heavenly places. Let Christ who is, let your eyes, the Bible says in Colossians, be on Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God, who is your life, who will return and bring life to you and manifest who you truly are. Let your eyes be on him all the time. Know that this resurrected Jesus could not be who he was today unless he experienced the cross and utter death. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter how deep your death feels. It doesn't matter how severe you, you think the death is that comes your way. Jesus Christ's power, the power of life is greater than that. And it's already in you. Amen. Amen. Well, let us just, I would like to pray for everybody. Maybe you are going through a very difficult time. Maybe you've got some sickness in your body. I would like to pray for you. The Bible clearly says that Paul, if you read, if you read just all of uh, the, the chapter, the first uh, Corinthians chapter two, he says, I came with signs, wonders and miracles so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. 
the power of what, what is his power? The power to raise from the dead, the power to give life to our mortal bodies. And we can receive signs, wonders and miracles right now. And Jesus even commanded us. He says, go and lay your hands on the sick and they will recover. Go and pray for people. And they will be healed. We find that. And I just feel to do that more and more. We just see people truly being healed as we pray for them. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for people that's watching this right now. I thank you for your healing power that flows over them. I thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles taking place in these people's lives that are watching the whole internet congregation. Thank you, Father, that you bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you heal people from cancer to headaches to whatever sickness they have. Thank you for your supernatural provision. Thank you for stretching forth your hand through to do signs, wonders, and miracles in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I want to just uh, say this quickly. Leon and I we were reading, doing our devotional here, and we were reading about uh, the disciples coming to Jesus and saying to him, Jesus, there's somebody else doing miracles in your name. Now, that means somebody else is using the name of Jesus and successfully seeing miracles taking place. And then they said to Jesus, tell him to stop to do that because he's basically not with us. And Jesus said, listen, man, leave him alone. Don't you think that if he heals in my name, that will bring glory to me and to what God is doing? Even back then, there were other people that were not disciples that were successfully preaching and laying their hands on people in the name of Jesus and healing people in the name of Jesus. We don't know about that. We don't hear about that. We just had this small glimpse of it. Who knows? We will not know how many people God has in this world through whom he does wonderful things. God truly is in control. He is truly, and what I mean by that is, the plan that he has will truly manifest fully as he intended it. Thank you for watching. Know that you are deeply loved and blessed by God. Amen.